Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the HDR Student Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Dimi Lattice. As part of the HDR Plus grant that funds this podcast, I surveyed 50 HDR students on campus. The vast majority of them told me that argument construction was one of their weakest points in writing. Today, we're going to talk about this. Our guest speaker is literary scholar Louise Katz. Welcome to the show, Louise. Pleasure. So, Louise, what is an argument? In the simplest possible terms, you'd say, I think, um, it's a group of statements leading to a conclusion. Or you could say it's a coherent piece of connected ideas supported with evidence and leading to a logical conclusion. They're the simple answers, okay? But you could also say that it's a way of giving reasons for your reader to think about something from your perspective, that is, from your well-informed, well-researched perspective. So I just want to give you a little quote, though, from this book by Lamb and Everett called Dynamic Argument, because I really like it. It takes away a little bit from that nuts and bolts approach and just sort of says what it's really about. They write, it shapes the way people think offering them alternative ways of seeing what is true, in inverted commas, true. It motivates people to behave differently, providing them with reasons to take action or to halt. As a result, countries wage war or seek justice. People gain or lose civil rights. Those accused of crimes are convicted and jailed or acquitted and freed. Business deals are made or broken. Personal relationships form, break up or mend. Politicians are elected or defeated. All of these activities are set into motion and resolved through a dynamic process of change known as argument. So I mean, when you think about it that way, it's a power. It's a force. It's not just passing tests by any means. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing. And how does writing an academic argument differ from other arguments such as debates or a tip with your partner? A uh, tip with your mate is emotionally charged. With essays, no matter how strongly you feel about the subject, you have to maintain a level of objectivity. Probably you should do with an antipathy partner as well, but you need to do that certainly in academic writing. And you have to question yourself as you write in the same way that you interrogate texts as you read. I think that's really important. We have to be aware of our own subjectivities when we're writing. You have to think to yourself, why do I take this author seriously and not that author? Why do I like this book and not that book? What is it about me that makes me respond the way I do to these texts? And when you have that kind of self-awareness, it's likely to contribute to the strength of your argument. You're thinking it through. You're thinking everything through critically. You can never take anything for granted. And if you want to develop that skill, which is essential for constructing good arguments, you have to also be willing to reflect upon your own process, upon your own thoughts. And it helps to keep a reflection journal to do that. That means when you keep a reflection journal, you're engaging in a kind of metacognitive process where you're thinking about your own thinking. As I said before, why do I think what I think? Where does it come from? What are my values? How does my background or my education inform what I choose to take on board and what I choose to contribute to my argument? You can't really make an argument without thinking very deeply about it and reflectively And that means reflection on text and on yourself as you're reading. And regarding speeches, how does a piece of academic writing or an academic argument differ from a speech? Speeches should engage more with rhetoric. Speeches are often a call to action. Essays you could describe as a call to think. What elements should be present to make a strong argument? What do you reckon? Think of the first thing that comes into your head as a student. 
well-researched. Yeah, absolutely. Good evidentiary backup. Yeah. Absolutely essential. See, you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> careful reading, careful annotating right from the beginning of the writing process. I don't think it's a good idea to separate the reading and the writing. Annotate as you read. And if you do, if you do it that way, you end up having almost written your essay mm. by the time you've finished your research. You, then you need to sort of patch it together, make links, think further, of course. But with good annotations, you're already more than halfway there. And you have to be interested in the subject. And sometimes that's a problem. You might be given a topic you don't think you're really interested in. Does that happen? It does happen. Yep. Hopefully um, not in your thesis. So yes. If it happens there, then you've definitely <laughs> got to go back to the drawing yeah. board. But if it's not a thesis, if it's an essay for a piece of coursework, then you have to find something that engages you. And sometimes that means you might need to interpret the question in your own way in order to draw something out of it that you can get into. Because if you can't get into it, it's going to make your life miserable. I mean, the essay not terribly successful and the argument not strong as it could be. So if you can find something in it that does engage you and interpret the question in such a way that you can focus on the parts of it that do interest you, and what you need to do is always explain exactly why you've taken that stance at the beginning, at the introduction. So if you can justify why you've taken this line, then you can take it. And if you're struggling still, it's important to talk to your lecturer or supervisor and see what you can do to get around that because... Writing about something that doesn't interest you is a terrible thing. For students like myself who would like to improve their skills in argument constructions, what advice can you give us? First of all, in your introduction that I just mentioned, you need to have a strong major claim, a thesis statement. And you have to say why you're putting forward this thesis and also say who would be interested in it. That can sort of really launch your argument well. So, for example, when I say who would be interested in it, you might in the introduction write something like if this was your field. Some developmental psychologists claim that slapping children is wrong. So you're saying who is putting forward that idea and then you've got somebody to sort of set your argument off against, uh, justification for it, a bit of background. And it's also important, and a lot of students seem to forget this, to give the reader a preview, an introduction into the issues that you're going to explore in order to prove your thesis so that when reading your essay, they'll be looking out for those signals or those triggers and they can follow it very easily. And that's important too, that when you're putting forward an argument, it's got to be step by step and it's got to be clear. You can't jump all over the shop because you'll only lose your reader. So all of those things in the introduction. Your strong claim, your background, your justification if you need it. Maybe you need to define some terms. Now, in the body of your essay or dissertation, you're going to continually be making further claims that all contribute towards proving your thesis. So you make a claim, provide some backup, extrapolate, then link to the next idea. Those links are really important for flow. Some students rely a little bit too heavily on little subheadings all the way through. Now, if it's a short essay, it shows that the student hasn't really mastered the art of linking the ideas coherently. They need to sort of keep breaking it up, but it's very stop and start. Look, if you're writing a thesis, obviously you need subheadings, but in a, you know, a 2,000 word essay, I wouldn't advise it at all. Demonstrate instead that you can coherently elaborate upon something in a systematic way. So that's body. Just to summarize, each claim backed up, then extrapolation, then link. And in your conclusion, obviously, you know, you summarise, but also reiterate why your argument is important and to whom and what you've contributed. If you've contributed something new, then highlight it. 
think of a good essay as just another narrative form. It's telling a story. There are style points that can help your writing strong. In essays, some students fall back on rhetorical questions. That's a really bad thing to do. Don't do that in essays. If you find yourself writing a rhetorical question, rephrase it as a statement. It's much stronger that way. If you rephrase it as a statement, then you have to back that up. You can't just sort of leave it dangling for the reader to answer. The reader doesn't want to answer it. The reader wants you to answer. It's a cop-out rhetorical questions in essays. But there are other rhetorical strategies that can help. As in a speech, you want to appeal to readers' emotions, pathos, to their intellect, logos, and to their ethical sensibilities, or ethos. But it's unlike a speech, too, because it's not a call to action. You're appealing to people more quietly, more thoughtfully. When you're using pathos, you're not using it in an essay as emotive language that you'd use in a speech. A good use of pathos in an essay would be a striking list of data or mounting evidence, mounting up and up and up to stun them, and then, da-da, this is the conclusion I draw after all of that. And that links to logos because you're demonstrating your ability to construct an argument with evidence really well. And the ideas are logically connected. And the fabulous backup is essential. And then that links us then to ethos. The reader will trust you because they know that you've done the legwork. That's really improved my understanding of what an argument is. Have you got any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Yep. Don't try and sound academic. <laughs> Whatever you do, just be academic. That means provide evidence, be objective, and use clear, grammatically sound <laughs> writing and kiss. You know kiss? No, explain. Keep it simple, stupid. Try and convey what you have to say as clearly as possible. There's more and more of a move towards that amongst scholars too. Obfuscation is not welcome, just clarity. So don't try and sound academic, be academic. Don't write pretentious waffle, write what you think. Yeah, I think that's definitely a issue for most students, finding a voice within their own writing. I think that that's really important and it's really hard because we get sort of drowned out by other people's voices. After all, we're referring to them all mm. the time and we've got all these terrifying examples. And It's really hard and it's not something that you, know, you learn as a student then you go out as a professional. You know, writers, professional writers are always refining that ability and your voice changes over time as well. Usually when you're a student, your voice show that you're inquiring. You're not asserting necessarily as much mm. because you don't have that expertise, but as you become more confident, you do, then you, then you mm. can. But voice is something that is a, a kind of a lifelong project, like thinking critically. You can't just mm. learn that and then go off and do it. Mm. It's not like something that you can get out of a, you know, a toolbox. Mm. It's ongoing um, practice and a kind of intellectual honesty, which is so hard, you yeah. know, especially if you feel strongly about something. Thank you so much for being here today, Louise. My pleasure. We hope that you enjoyed and found this episode useful. If you would like more information about topics that affect HDR students, please subscribe to this podcast, the HDR Student Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dimi Lattice. Happy studying, everyone.